First of all, thank you so much for doing this with me. Happy to do I'm this so here at the Brooklyn Water Bagel, where love becomes eternity. 100%. I don't know what that means, but I love to say. <laughs> Whatever you say. I'm honored to be here with you. No, I'm honored to be here with you. No, I'm honored to be here. <laughs> Are we going to go this forever? No, okay. oh, let's do it. Um, so, you know, I really want to ask you, so I'm doing this Vision to Reality uh, podcast show, and you know, we're going to have new guests every month, some celebrities, not celebrities as you, and not as big as you, but, you know, some of them brought their vision to life. Some of them didn't make it happen yet. And I want to get people to share their inspiration, share some stuff from their soul, and what a better person to have on this show to have you share your secret with us. Whatever you want to know. What? what is your secret on an interview and how do you get people well, to you. share their... their uh, I got great advice years and years ago from uh, Jackie Gleason. Before your time, he was a great performer and he was a good friend of mine. And he said, the only secret in show business or in life mm -hmm. is, pay attention, I am. there's no secret. There's no secret? Be yourself. Mm. Yeah. Be yourself. If you can be yourself, they're either gonna like you or not like you. And it's up this to is them. True. You know, it's, this is true in salesmanship, in television, in dancing, and whatever you do. Right. You be yourself. You do the best you can. They'll either like you or not like you. You can't make someone like you. You can't grab them by the throat and say, like me. Yeah. So as long as you know that, yeah. people will like you for what you really are. I love it. So be yourself. So as my approach to broadcasting, I was always me. I never thought about the question I was going to ask. I went to the moment, if the public would like me, they'd like me, and I couldn't make them like me, so I just was me. Yeah. And I learned, I asked short questions, I was really interested in guests, I was very curious. So when did you decide you wanted to do that? When did I, you... I wanted to be on in radio when I was five years old. I would listen to the radio and I would imitate the announcers. I would go into my room, you know, the, we had shows like who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, the shadow knows. This would be a drama show. And I'd go into my bathroom and I would say, who knows what evil. I wanted to be on the radio. So I'm doing what I always wanted to do. So I worked at odd jobs. I didn't go to college. My father died when I was nine. I had to help my mother. But then when my brother got out of school and he was able to help, I went down to Miami. I was 23 years old. I knocked on doors. I didn't know, I think I'd be an interviewer. I wanted to be a sports announcer, but I loved the microphone camera. I loved the whole... Show. I loved the whole life communicating. Yeah. I loved that. I loved everything about it. So when did you find out it was like, it was like your niche, that were your gifted, I was your doing a disc jockey show. I was playing music. I was interviewing people, uh, sports people, but there was a restaurant in Miami Beach called Pumpernick's, and the owner of Pumpernick's liked mm -hmm. me. And he wanted a show from his restaurant in the middle of the morning when people didn't come in, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's after breakfast, before lunch. So he wanted people to come in. So he had me go to do a show there. And I never interviewed everyday people, and people were there. And one day, Bobby Darren, the great singer, came in. And 
Then other famous people started to come in. I started to interview them. And I got to love that. I got to love asking questions, mm. getting answers. And I liked the whole concept of me and you and learning. And I learned there that I, I, I asked short questions and the whole key was listening. Yeah. And I realized that I never learned anything when I was talking. If I'm talking, I don't learn anything. Yeah. So I have to be brief, listen to what the guest has to say because the guest counts. Right. And I've been doing it now. Hey, they. May 1st will be 60 years. Wow, 60 years? That's beautiful. I interviewed Regis Philbin yesterday. He's been doing it 62 years. Wow. So together we've been on the air 122 years. <laughs> so you know what keeps it exciting? What what keeps you like that, you know that's always a good going? Question. Very yeah. good. You're very good, Sabra. Uh, what keeps me going yeah. is I still love the light that goes on. I love the magic, no matter what I'm doing. Uh -huh. I could be talking to 10,000 people when I make speeches. Right. I could be on the television talking to the world or sitting here with you. Same thing. Boom. The light goes on. You get the little bump. Butterflies, yeah. Not butterflies. Butterflies. I was only fighting the first day I was on the air. How'd that look? What was that like? Good. See, you listen. You follow up. Good. <laughs> Sabra, you're good. That was Thank very you. good. Uh, that was a great day, boy. May 1st, 1957. I finally got hired, and uh, I was learning the radio business, and now I'm ready to go on the air. A guy left, and I was going to be a disc jockey from 9 to 12 in the morning, play records and talk, and uh, then I would do news in the afternoon. You worked all day for $50 a week. Oh, wow. But hey, it was a big thrill to be on the radio. To and do me, what you love? The radio freak, the small station. And the manager called me in at the station. I was about to go on in 10 minutes, and he says to me, good luck, Larry, this is a big day for you. I said, thank you. He says, you know, uh, what name are you going to use? I said, Larry Zyger, that's my name. He said, no, can't use Larry Zyger. It's too ethnic. People won't know how to spell it. They, you can need another name. I'm going on the air in five minutes. He's got the paper open to the Miami Herald. I later would write for that paper. Wow. And it was an ad for King's Wholesale Liquors. <laughs> and he says, uh, how about Larry King? Oh, wow. I said, okay, that sounds all right. I later changed it legally. Now I go in to go on the air, and he said, I got my record ready to play in the record, and I'm going to talk. And the music starts, Les Elgar swinging down the lane. Now I lower the music, put the mic on to talk. Nothing came out. Nothing. And I bring the record up again, bring it down, nothing comes out. I look at the clock. It's like four minutes after nine. I haven't said a word. And if you're listening at home, all you hear is music going up and down. So the general manager kicked open the door of the studio and he said, this is a communications business, damn it. Communicate. And he slammed the door. I turned the mic on, and I swear to God. First day on the air. Good morning. My name is Larry King. 
That's the first time I've ever said that, because I've just been given that name. Wow. All my life I wanted to be in radio, and this is my first day ever, and I am scared. Oh, and I'm God. nervous, and I'm thinking maybe that I've picked the wrong profession, that I don't have the guts to do this. So please. That's what you said for the yeah, first time? Yeah, I swear to God. So I said, please. And so what I did then, I didn't realize it. You. I took the audience into right my dilemma. Yeah. So any mistake I made that day, hey, it's his first day. Yeah. In fact, later I was doing an interview and someone asked me, well, what if, what if you were walking down the hall at NBC? Someone grabbed you, set you down and said, Tom Brokaw, sick, you're on. What would you do? I would look at the camera and say, I was walking down the hall and someone just grabbed me and said, Tom broke our sick and I'm on. Yep. So I'll try to do the best I can. Perfect. Never lie to the audience. Yeah. Tell them what happened. Yeah. Bring yourself, bring them into your dilemma. This now, is this is like the best advice. Yeah. Go yeah. to the moment. Yeah. Never be afraid of the moment. If you go to, the, so I always have done that to this day. I go to the moment. I'm not afraid that, I remember once I, I was interviewing this guy once who had a big scar all over his face. Now, he was a writer, he'd written a book. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first question was, how'd you get that scar? Now, that was obvious to me. It's the first thing I saw, the most identifiable thing on his face. Right. And people later said to me, boy, how'd you ask him about that? Because the whole audience is thinking the same thing. Wow. How'd you get that scar? Yeah. So what's wrong with asking him? All he could say was, I don't want to talk about it. Or he'll tell me the story. So you went to his, uh, yeah. So the audience is in the same boat as me. We're all sitting there. Right. How'd you get that scar? If I go through the whole interview and never ask about the scar, I look like a schmuck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I go to the moment. Yeah. So I have a question then. Yes. When did you come up with the Schlakers thing? The Schlakers are yeah. suspenders or braces. Yeah. It was my ex-wife, Sharon. Mm -hmm. we, we were divorced, but I had had open heart surgery. Six, I had uh, six different movements they had to make. Uh, quintuple, quintuple. So I had a heart attack, had the surgery, got out of the hospital, lost weight. Was that a long time ago? 30 years this month. Beautiful. 1987, I just said. 30 years, 30 years, February 30th. So we went, I took her to dinner, we were friends. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, I used to wear a half sweater and sometimes a jacket. She said, you know what you ought to try? Suspenders. Really, I never wore suspenders. So when you're, you're slim now and it's a nobody's wear suspenders, you might look good. So I went like this, put up my sleeves, wore a tie like this, put the suspenders on, put the buttons on the pants. I love it. Went on, and a few people called in and said, he looks good, which is all I had to hear. He looks yep. good. And I left them, and they have lasted now for a little over 30 years. Little, my signature piece, 30 years ago. But I didn't plan it that way, it just, yeah. then it got very comfortable, I like them. On weekends, I'll wear a belt with jeans, you know, I, I still. Yeah, yeah. I've but I, I like the look. Yeah, I do too. And people are very used to it. Whenever I make speeches, I speak all over the world, 
spoke in Israel many times. Tell us uh, about that. I go on stage with a jacket and I take it off and they all know. Once I did a dinner in Syracuse, New York, and the whole audience wore suspenders. Really? Yeah, in my honor. That's so amazing. In Israel, I spoke yeah. to this, uh, the youth, Jewish youth groups. Was about it? America and Qatar. So I spoke in uh, Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv. Was it about the relationship with America and Israel? Yeah, and about American youth and Israeli youth. Got it. But I, I, only, I only speak funny. I mean, I talked about that a little, then I took questions. And then you but tell I, your jokes. I tell funny stories, yeah. I tell jokes, I try to make people laugh. I think if I weren't a radio and television broadcaster, I'd have been a comedian. I love making people, I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll tell you what it is. When you're standing on stage alone, there's nobody there can help you, you got no guest, there's no orchestra, no script. Yeah. And you're there, bare stage. Yep. You walk out, and the audience sits, and they're I saying, know. entertain me, make me think, or make me laugh, or make me cry. Yeah. But it's just me that's got to do it. And when I am telling a funny story or a joke, and I'm coming to that moment when I know you're going to laugh, and I know what's coming, that moment is a, is a spiritual high. Yeah. Because then you get them, and you got them, and you got them, and what? Yeah. And that laugh is like no feeling. Any, any person will tell you that. There's no feeling like standing in front of an audience and knowing that and you can, them. you can make them laugh. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you doing a lot of speeches at the Friars, and I mean, but yeah. you can, I've been knowing you for a while. So every time he tells those jokes, I'm like, I wish he's gonna tell the joke about the Pope. That joke, that about joke about the Pope. Joke, that That's joke. my favorite joke. Want to hear a polar bear joke? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, a polar bear goes over to his mother and says. Am I a polar bear? Uh-huh. And she says, of course you're a polar bear. We're all polar bears. He's okay. Just ask him. Next day he comes back. Am I a polar bear? Your father's a polar bear. I'm a polar bear. Your cousins, everybody here is a polar bear. She says, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Next day he comes back. Ma, he says, I gotta ask you again. Am I a polar bear? She says, what are you hocking me? What are you driving me crazy? Why are you bugging me? He says, cause I'm freezing. Oh my God. <laughs> See, that's funny. Set up the line, think yes, back. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So, Sabra, this is going to be a big hit, this show. Amen, amen. From no, your mouth to Baruch Hashem. No, because I could see it in your eyes. Thank you. You're curious. I am, very much so. You're smart. Thank you. have you. good questions. Thank and you. And you very know much. that you're sort of starting to do this. Yes. You're a dancer. You yeah. got a good life here in America. You have your Jewish inner, inner works. Your, your insides to Jewish, you have a Jewish boyfriend. You yeah. have you have it all going for you. Thank you so much. And you have the blonde hair. <laughs> the blonde hair. You think that will add to the whole, the other list, all the other things that you That's said? That's the shiksa part. That's the shiksa part. <laughs> and you gotta have a little shiksa part in America. Yeah, I agree. So I you have to... brown eyes and blonde hair. Yeah, That's the shiksa part. I might, they might be my uh, signature thing, what I'm gonna say. So I have this, that, and the chicks are here. This girl is from the United Nations. <laughs> she is everything. You have beautiful teeth, Thank nice you. lips, Thank good you. nose. What's that on your nose? I know you want me to take that off, right? No, what is it? It's uh, piercings. 
I have two. Uh oh, where's the other one? The same side. Oh. Yeah. Tell me why. It's your show, but just a question, because the well, audience would be looking. Absolutely. Why did you pierce your nose? I pierced my nose back in the day just for a fashion uh, statement. And I was very young. I was traveling, and everybody in my crew was 17, 18. I was a kid. You know how it is. What if it goes out of fashion? Well, it's been there for uh, almost 10 years. <laughs> yeah. You so were it's a been baby. a long time, yeah. yeah. All right. Larry. Thank you so much for doing well, this with me. I am I, so I tell honored. you what, yes. you do such a good job that this show is, this show continues, and it'll be a success. Amen. I will come back anytime you wish. And if I get this when I come back, hey, <laughs> hey, is this a good life? Thank you. Cheers to, uh, cheers to Brooklyn Bagel and to you for doing this with us, with me. Joe Thank and you. Paula Faganigan. Joe and Paul can gain a bargain, kriegen a suit, da coat, da gabardine. Nem da rein, dein kleiner kind. Toasting bagels. I've never done this in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sabra. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry. Very, very thankful. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm a good interview. Thank you.